right, everyone, welcome on in. We're ready to go. Let's let's talk some football, gentlemen. Let's talk some fantasy football. I've, I've been waiting all day for this. I've been waiting all day to talk fantasy football. We get to kind of free range, you know. We get to we get to talk. We'll answer any questions, listeners, when you guys are in here. Um, you know, make sure if you have any questions, uh, put it in the chat. We'll be happy to answer anything that we can. Um, we'll let you guys know that uh, throughout as people kind of come and go. But welcome on in, um, guys. What here's what I want to start with. I want to start with a question because. I'm starting to, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And so I'm starting to see a little bit of smoke here. I think you guys might be too, and I want to know your takeaway on this. So Stefan Diggs is not practicing. Undisclosed reason. Seems like personal issues. Hmm. We're starting to think that maybe Stefan, there's a lot of rumors. Stefan Diggs might be on the move, guys. Hey, if you're not passing the ball, why do you need two top receivers, right? So what what's going on? Does Stefan is, is he movable? Can can you move Stefan Diggs after signing that contract? If so, what are some of the landing spots that we wouldn't mind seeing him in? Yeah, I de- I mean, I definitely think you can move him after signing that contract. You just have to find the right fit. I mean, there's a lot of teams that need a good top end wide receiver in the league. Um, so yeah, I mean, I absolutely think you know you're you're going to have to be creative potentially depending on the teams. Um, but you know, to fit him in, but I, yeah, I absolutely. And I hope like hell it happens too. I mean, this is, you know, this whole thing in Minnesota with these, I mean, they're, you're talking about two elite wide receivers in Thielen and Diggs, and they're just not using them at all. I mean, they're just running the ball. And even when they pass, I mean, Kirk cousins has just been bad. He's been really bad. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I hope I, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, he, it could have been, something completely unrelated to trade you know a, a trade but um of course we in the fantasy community we hear oh why is he sitting right so it's like hey um and and i would be i would be perfectly fine uh and and kind of excited if he moved on now if he went somewhere like um oh gosh i don't even know I just tr- tricked myself Buffalo. out of that one. Well, I was going to say, I was, yeah, I mean, I was going to say Baltimore, but Baltimore's not all that bad of a place anymore with Lamar Jackson. So, um, you know, I, I, but, but yeah, I mean, he, he could go to a team that doesn't necessarily put him to use um, in, in the way that we would like him to either, but it can't get a whole lot worse, at least in the first four weeks of this season in Minnesota. It's just been, it's been nasty. So, um, I'd like to see him personally in San Francisco. I think that'd be a good a good fit. You know, um, maybe they can do something where they send Pettis and a pick or something. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. and or, or something something like that um, to to get him in there. I think that would be a pretty nice fit. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I I hope he does go somewhere where he can, you know, be utilized. Yeah, so you want yeah. Pettis to come to Minnesota and die? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, well, he's already he's already kind of dead in Kyle Shanahan's yeah. offense. So, uh, yeah. so it might as well just put on a, a purple jersey instead of a red one. John, John, what do you think, man? Where what do you think about uh, about this whole thing? Is this are we just making too much to do over this? I mean, like Brian stated, this could be nothing. I mean, this could just be a dude just needed to miss a day because he had you know a dental appointment or something. I mean, we we really don't know. Like it could be anything. It could be very minute. Are we making are we making too much of this? And if not, John, if if we can even fantasize for a second, where would you like to see Stephon Diggs land? Uh, well, first of all, if I look if you look around the um the updates for every team in the league today, 
most veterans have today off. They have Wednesday off. They take Wednesday off. They sit on a bench. They kind of ice up their wounds a little bit. And Diggs was already kind of hurt a little bit last week before he, you know, uh, you know, before he played, uh, you know, a little bit banged up, nothing serious. Huh? But uh, it was, um, I, I could see this just being a rest day, but on top of that, you know, maybe they are sitting them because they don't want them to get hurt or don't you want to show anything for a trade or, um, or maybe some, a team requested that he doesn't practice until, you know, maybe he went and get a physical day for, for a different team. I, I know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's all speculation at this point in time. And, um, you know, speculation sells newspapers too. That's why it gets a lot of hits, a lot of hits on, you know, Twitter, on YouTube, on whatever else, on any, any kind of paper. Somebody may just made up this entire story and everybody's running with it, that he's getting traded, he's got to go. But if he goes somewhere, I, you know, I've heard the Patriots flying around. I, I've heard um, the Bills because they tried to get Antonio Brown and he shut him down. I've, I've heard uh, a handful of teams that could use a receiver, um, you know, reaching out and just kind of poking – poking bear a little bit and seeing what they can get for him or what they want to, how much, they, how much of the salary they'd eat. Um, but uh, the Patriots comes to mind first. You're looking at win, win now teams that are trading for digs, if they're going to absorb a lot of money. So um, I, uh, I, I honestly think that I honestly think this is just a lot of a uh, rumorville kind of turning a mouse poop into a mountain kind of thing. Um, that's how I mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. And it very well could be, I, I think, I think the main thing that that is interesting from this, though, is that, you know, normally when a player misses for injury, you know, they, they disclose that injury. They have to disclose what what the injury is when this is non injury related, man. It's that's that's to me is a little bit of a red flag. Like, oh, what's going on here? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we really don't know. It's all speculation at this point, but. I would absolutely love to see Stefan Diggs in New England just because I want to see Twitter burn and and I want to see everyone's overreaction about how, you know, New England cheated to get him or something or, you know, uh, so, something along those lines. So to me, I, I would just love to see that. However, I think the team that I, I would really, really like to see Stefan Diggs on just because I could uh, I could really really see it being a, a, a nice fit um, when I kind of went through and I how about Seattle? I, I, you know, I mean, they're, they're really forcing kind of DK Metcalf into, into a, uh, a, you know, he's getting a lot of snaps and I like DK Metcalf. I do. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's early for him. Um, I would love to see Stefan Diggs on Seattle catching balls from Russell Wilson on the other side of Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, I, I, to me, that's just, that's the fit right there. You go three wide receivers, you can move Diggs into the slot. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I think Seattle is a competing team that can win now. Uh, Russell Wilson is is throwing the ball a whole lot more. So I, I would just love to see that. But um, you, you guys are probably right. It's probably we're probably making too much out of this. So um, let's let's move on here. We got we got some questions from some of our uh, some of our listeners here that uh, that are that are in the chat. So let's go one by one. First off, uh, Robbie McPhee, good friend of the show, um, asks us thoughts on the deal. A contending team whose biggest weakness was tight end. It's a 12 team league, half PPR superflex, of course, no tight end premium. He gave up Antonio Brown, a 2020 first and a 2021 first. Both are presumed late for Travis Kelsey. Um, what, what are you guys, what are your guys thoughts on this deal? What, uh, what side would you rather have Brown and the two firsts or would you rather have Kelsey? Well, I don't want Brown. 
well, that's that, okay. That's part of that side. But uh, <laughs> what about the two firsts as well uh, for Kelsey? What do you guys? Th- what are you thinking, John? There's only four good tight ends in the league that uh, you know they're going to score. I mean, there's only yeah probably four good tight ends in the league they're going to score points. Um, I, I, Kelsey's probably worth. He's one of a few, one of probably three to three or four tight ends that are worth two first. Probably one of two tight ends that are worth two first. Um, he's a. Uh, if I was, if a tight end is a position in your lineup and you got, and you're getting, you know, twos and threes and fives every week, where you could be getting fourteens and seventeens from Kelsey, I mean, you really have to think seriously about trading away two firsts to get a, a player that really is like a wide receiver ten. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what he scores in most. This is half PPR, uh, so he's still going to get you. Let's just say he gets eight targets. What is he? What is he averaging? Nine targets a game, eight or nine. So that's four points right there, plus whatever yards he gets. He's averaging probably 60 or 70 yards a game. That's 11, 12, 13 points and a half point PPR. I mean, that's – you're going to get – that's he does well a lot. That's just as good as a lot of wide receivers in the league. I, I'd, I'd probably do it. Nice, yeah. So you want the Kelsey side. Is that what you're saying? You, Especially you if I'm a win-first team right now, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on the verge yeah. of – I have I have awesome quarterbacks, good running backs, good receivers, good – you know, if you have a kicker and a defense that are – you know, you have the Patriots defense and maybe a good kicker. I mean, then you had one missing piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. to win the championship. Absolutely. I'm throwing two first at whoever would, you know, whoever's sure. would, would be offering that. Yeah. And if we're presuming those picks are late, then, uh, then it's pretty safe to presume that this is a contending team uh, at that point. So uh, what about you, Brian? What, what do you want? You want, do you want the two first in Antonio Brown? I know you're a big Antonio Brown guy. Um, you know, I know you like that craziness <laughs> on your squad now. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, or, or would you take Travis Kelsey here? Um, what's your thought process on this and which side would you rather have? Yeah, I'm good with Kelsey on, on a contending team. I mean, if you're contending and Kelsey can put you over the top, I think I'd be willing to do that. I mean, you're, if you're a contender, those firsts are likely going to be later, especially the 2020 first, um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. No problem with that at all. Yeah. I think I'm the same, you know, I I've been pretty down on trading for Kelsey only because, to me, you know, I, I've just always, I don't like investing heavily at the tight end position. Um, how, how kind of deal that if you're a contending team and you really think, man, this is the piece that can, that can put me over the top. Kind of like you were saying, John, you know, if you're that team and you can do that, I, I think this is, this is the kind of deal I would do to get Travis Kelsey to say, okay, now I feel like I got the team to beat um, in this league and, you know, I can win a championship. So if you're doing it for that, absolutely. Um, if you're doing it for, you know, a long-term type deal, like, eh, maybe this will help me compete for the next few few years. Um, I would say I would just rather hold on to the first just because I'm so adverse at taking the risk at tight end. But Kelsey is, he's safe. He's just getting a little older. But, uh, you know, whenever you have my MVP, John McLean, my MVP, Patrick Mahomes, throwing you the ball, you're fine. Uh, you're going to be okay. So um, I like that. So gentlemen, let's move on. We have our very own Sam Stompy Lane is, uh, is here. He's asking a question in the chat. And this one is very interesting because Brian, uh, you, you kind of, you kind of hinted towards this trade before we went on the air live here. So mm-hmm. this one had to do with you too. So um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to let you go last year. Okay. Cause All I don't right. want you giving away tilting anything, you know, sure. uh, in this one. So um, Stompy says, what do you guys think of this trade? It's a 12 team super flex league with 1.75 tight end premium. Okay. One side is Tyrell Williams, Chris Carson. Um, so you get Tyrell Williams and Chris Carson. And uh, the other side is two 2020 first round picks. So what do you guys, what do you guys think? Tyrell Williams and Chris Carson, both uh, are assets that are being are usable right now uh, for two 2020 firsts. 
John, I'm going to start with you, and then I'll give my thoughts before we uh, before we go to Brian here. I'm taking the picks. Not even a question. That's uh, I don't think either of those guys are league winners or you know that, that are going to be developing talents. I think they're already you've already seen what they can offer you, and I don't think that each one either one of them is is uh, equivalent to a uh, individual you know, one for one. They're not neither one of them are, are individual first round picks for me. So I'll take the picks on this one without without mm. a question. See, I, and for me, it's a lot closer. Um, I think Chris Carson is worth um, a first-round pick. I really do. I just feel like he had some fumbling issues early, and a lot of people, there were some red flags. But the, last week, he, he asserted himself as as that back again, as, as the type of back they need to rely on. Um, Penny, again, wasn't available. Availability is an ability. That's what I always say. And uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't available. So that ability he didn't have for the past few weeks. So uh, Chris Carson did, and he, he, uh, he made the most out of it. Uh, and I think- He's off. He's awfully beat up for a young back too, you know, and that's the only other yeah. thing about that. He's got not even that many miles, just so many injuries already, lower body injuries too. Well, I, and I think we can say that about a lot of running backs, almost all of them, um, when they've been in the league for a little bit, um, you know, they, they get, they get beat up, you know, that it happens. That position is just so prone to it because of the, the amount of hits and the type of hits that you're taking. Um, and the, the big bodies that are normally hitting you. So I think, I think that happens with a lot of running backs, but man, this guy, I mean, last year, this guy, we, we kind of thought the same thing and he just keeps putting up numbers, you know? So this year, you know, his numbers are, are, are looking okay. They're looking better. And I think Seattle, as this season progresses, is going to lean a little bit more on the run as the season goes. So I like Chris Carson there. Tyrell Williams to me is a nice piece, um, but he's not worth a first. And so that to me is where I lean with, with the the picks here. Um, I think Tyrell Williams is, is very nice depth piece to add to that receiving, you know, to a receiving core. Um, he could be a nice wide receiver three, I think on a fantasy team, you can, you can, you know, put him in your flex spot and you can feel pretty comfortable with him. He's going to get the targets. I mean, Oakland, is going to throw the ball a lot. And outside of Darren Waller, those are the only two guys they really, you know, can consistently count on week in and week out to get targets. So I think Tyrell Williams is going to get his targets. Oakland's going to be behind, you know, the, the game script and the narrative is going to be that, you know, he's going to get some garbage time receptions and some touchdowns. They target him a lot in the red zone. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's closer. I'm going to win with the picks though. So um, Brian, why don't you, why don't you, uh, why don't you chime in and tell us which side of this you were on? We both took the picks. It was close for me. It was a slam dunk for John, though. Uh, yeah, I so I was the side that received the picks here. Um, I sent Williams and um, and Carson, the electric playmaker, Chris Carson, um, away, which I didn't particularly enjoy doing, uh, especially because it makes my running back core pretty thin. But um, <clears throat> but I also had already had two firsts and in the 2020 class uh, and picking up two more was appealing. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of knew Sam had, had put a, um, a message out in the group chat that he was looking at moving a couple of firsts for some, some players. Um, and, and he put the positions of need and um, I had sent an offer and then this was a counter um, to that offer. And um, I went ahead and took it cause I thought it was pretty fair deal. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely think Carson is worth a first um, and, and, you know, Tyrell Williams, I think has, it, it's kind of all the things that you said, James, it's, you know, he's, he has opportunity right now. They are going to have to throw the ball a ton. Um, and I think in this format, he's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, you, you can argue, 
whether he's he's worth the first or not. I think for Sam's team too, looking at at the way that his team's built, I think that this deal will help him a lot this season for sure and moving forward as well because these are both pretty young pieces. Um, so I think it you know it made sense. And for me, I I um I, I'm accumulating picks right now. I don't know that I'll. I'll keep them. Uh, we'll see what happens. I might keep them, uh, but I might also try to move them and put myself in a little bit better position to compete this year as well. So we'll see what happens with this. But, um, but yeah, it was that was uh, and and credit to to Sam because you know when when I sent the initial deal, I thought it was at least somewhat close, uh, and and his counter was very close as well in in my mind. So uh, appreciate. I always appreciate that um, when when I'm doing trades. Uh, so um, yeah, so I, I thought this was a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like that. I, I, um, I, you know, thank you for the context, though, Brian, because that, that a lot of times when we're when we're grading these, you know, trades, it's it's totally it's in a vacuum. You know, we don't get any context really. Um, so, so it's nice to know that, Hey, if, if Sam is, is competing this year and these are moves that are really going to help him win this year, dude, absolutely. This is what you do. You move those picks for assets that are going to help you win now. Um, so you can win now. So, um, that's just, uh, that's, that's the way I'd approach it. So, you know, when you have context like that, it changes things. It's like, yes, well, absolutely. okay. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Like now, now, you know, I would, I would also deal to 2021st for Chris Carson and Tyrell Williams, if I felt like that was what I needed to, to, you know, put me over the hump or that kind of depth is, is what I could use, you know, to really compete for a championship. So that's, that's awesome. Now I do have a question for you, Brian, Mm -hmm. and this, this, I just kind of thought of, because I thought, what would it be like to be in a league with Brian where he has four 2020 firsts, right? So Mm -hmm. let me ask you this. You are a huge Penn state fan, huge, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, you know, very, very, uh, very, very vocal about it. Yeah. Very vocal about your Penn State love, which is awesome. Uh, but here, here's my question for you mm-hmm. in a rookie draft or in Debbie drafts, do you and and look for NFL? It's it's always interesting because there are some people who go, man, I, you know, Bears Packers is a big one, John, over by you. Um, you know, Bears fans just sometimes just won't even touch a Packer player or Packer fans just won't even bother rostering a Bear player. Um, would you, would it, would you shy away from, a from a Wisconsin Badger or a Michigan Wolverine, um, in your rookie drafts, uh, based on, you know, if this is a guy who had done some work against Penn state, you know, for three years or something. Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, and if I'm in a position to draft Jonathan Taylor, um, chances are very good, uh, that he will be highly considered, uh, in that case, James. So yeah, no, I, I do not that, you know, I really, I really try hard. now. I mean, everybody, know, everybody that knows anything about me in this community knows that I am about as big of a, you know, Penn state slash Saquon fanboy as there is like, I do everything I can to acquire Saquon Barkley all the time. Um, and, and, you know, but, but he's also one of the top dynasty assets in, that there is so it's 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 not just that he's a Penn State player it's that he's a Penn State player and he's so freaking good um Mm -hmm. you know I I really try hard not to I mean we all have I think small biases um but Mm -hmm. I want to win I mean that's why I'm playing the game I'm playing to have a good time don't get me wrong I mean winning isn't everything in this but it is important I mean I want to try to do the best I can 
So if a Michigan Wolverine or an Ohio State Buckeye or a Wisconsin Badger is going to help me get there, by all means, join the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And then there is that line, too, that that's interesting when it comes from college to NFL is that, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you watch a guy like TJ Watt and you're like, man, this guy's killing me. And then all of a sudden he goes to your team and you're like, well, OK, all's forgiven, you know, like. You're you're a stealer now, so now I'm I'm cheering you on, man. So it it is interesting, John. I real quick, do you have a college uh, that you know a college team that you really like to root for? Or did you go somewhere that you uh, you really kind of have allegiance to? And does that play a role in any of your um, any of your your picks, your rookie picks, or your uh, uh, Devi picks? If you're in any type of Devi league, if I'm ever going to pick a player that comes out of the University of Notre Dame. Uh, it would be great to have the opportunity to, but unfortunately they haven't had any, uh, really blue star, or, uh, blue chip recruits, uh, lately, as far as that goes, I, they seem to do a uh, very good, but the guys come out and don't really perform in the NFL too often. It's unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Um, but Notre Dame would be the team I would hope I can get my hands on, uh, you know, it just doesn't work out that way lately, lately for my team. But I went to Notre Dame games probably since I was five years old, all the way. We were season, t- season ticket holders my whole life. I went to five games a year, every year, all through high school, pretty much. So um, I'd love to see that. But anybody from the Big Ten, I like also. I'm, uh, you know, those kind of schools. Um, I, uh, I, that's, yeah, anybody from the Midwest, I, I kind of root for. They're kind of the underdogs because you're not, you're not in the SEC, you're nobody gets cars as far as the rest of the world is concerned, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I, Notre Dame, I tend to fade a lot of their players cause, um, there's so many fans of Notre Dame that it seems like they kind of get bumped up a little bit, almost like Cowboys, you know, like it seems like Cowboys in, in a lot of startup drafts kind of get bumped up a little bit. Cause you know, there's so many Dallas Cowboy fans that they think tend to tend to go a little higher than what I'm willing to pay. So, um, so that's interesting, uh, there and, and really I'm going to have a tough time because, you know, if I have the 1.01 in the draft next year, um, the guy who I, I really like, DeAndre Swift, I think he's probably should be the 1.01. But my bet, the, the Badger fan in me, like, I don't care where they wind up. It's going to be really, really tough for me to pass up Jonathan Taylor because I've got, I've, I've had a, the biggest man crush on that guy for like three years. Every time I go see a Badger game, like my eyes, I, I just can't stop watching the guy. Um, I just, I, I really enjoy, uh, you know, kind of how he plays the game and everything. And I think his, his talents are going to translate well to the NFL game too. So it's going to be tough for me to, to push that fandom aside if I have to and take DeAndre Swift, which I think is the right pick. Um, so stay tuned because uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be updating people on that once rookie drafts happen because um, it, it'll be interesting to see, uh, see if I can kind of push that down. But all right, so we got some other questions here in the chat that I kind of want to get to, gentlemen. Um, next one, uh, first one I want to get to is from Tommy Garrett, who is uh, who is a friend of the show's. He's over uh, over here in uh, in the chat and asking us question: If you take over an orphan team and decide it is not a contender, which is usually the case, right? Do you go for picks or do you go for talent first? Just took over one; they're two and two, and they've only got a twenty twenty fourth round pick. Um, guys, where do you guys stand on this? Is there a, a, an approach that you think is better than the other? Um, you know, where, where do you guys stand on it? Brian, uh, let's, let's actually, John, let's start with you. What do you think? Uh, I don't take too, over too many orphans. I have enough leagues of my own, but uh, this is, um, 
if you're going, if you're, if you decide to take over an orphan, which I, 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 I that's commendable, you know, guys, you, you gotta be really in, you gotta really love fantasy football to take over a team that's in the doghouse already with no picks and try to work from, you know, you're in it for the long haul and hopefully the rest of the league mates that you join in this league that has an orphan are, you know, they're serious players too. You'd hate to go somewhere and, you know, everybody overvalues their players or nobody responds to trade offers or, you know, but if you're in a league that has active players and you can probably possibly move anything you have for a couple third round picks or a couple fourth round picks or, you know, move big pieces for two firsts or, you know, things you got to do to start rebuilding. Um, I do that. I mean, it's, I, uh, it's, with, with that limited amount of future capability of rebuilding, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. And what do you think, Brian? What 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 are your thoughts on this uh, as far as an orphan rebuild goes? Yeah, I mean, it it just depends on the players that I have. I mean, if if I can if I can move some players, um, you know, horizontally and and get players that I like better but that are similarly valued, then I'll do that. You know, if I can move a if I have a oh gosh, just spitting in the wind here. Um, if I had like a Tyree kill, for example, and I could move him for a Juju, uh, you know, and especially three weeks ago, <laughs> um, you know, I would do that because I I personally, you know, they're valued similarly, but I personally would rather have Juju Smith-Schuster. Th- those types of deals, though, um, those, you know, kind of lateral moves. Um, but but where I feel like I'm getting a player that I believe in more than the player that I'm sending off. So I would probably start there. And then I, I because that that creates a core that creates a core group of guys um, that you can build around then. Uh, and then I look at the other assets that I have and say, OK, you know, what can I get for these guys that would that would set me up so that as many of my guys hit at the same time as possible. And that's that's a thing that John Hogue talks about all the time is making sure that you know, your roster makes sense um, and, and that your guys are going to be hitting at the same time. Um, so, you know, so I'll do that. I'll look and say, okay, well, what, what players don't make sense on my team? Does David Johnson make sense on my team? No, pr- maybe not. If I don't believe I'm a contender and I, I think it's going to take a couple of years, um, you know, so I'll move him for a, a younger player or some picks or something like that. But but yeah, that's that's kind of how I started. I start with those lateral moves to get my guys, um, and then um, you know, and then just move on from there and and try to build around those guys. Do you go lateral moves? Uh, you know, you know, a player you may think maybe a little troubling for another player of a similar value, or when you start off with an orphan, do you try and get as much? young kind of, you know, not, not worth, you know, try and get maybe three or four guys and maybe three or four picks for one good player like Tyreek Hill instead of just one player. Because if you only have a fourth round pick here, you're looking at, I need to rebuild. I need a lot of help here. So instead of getting one, you know, tat, tit for tat kind of guy, you know, I'm looking at the read the future, you know, right from the get go. Yeah, that that's a great question, John. I think, um, you know, again, I think it just depends on your roster construction, and I think it depends on what you're comfortable doing. You know, if you're if you're comfortable in in trading a, a more proven asset that holds some significant value to take a shot at picks. So, if it, for example, if you feel like you're a strong drafter in rookie drafts and you can identify talent from college to the pros, then yeah, why not do that and then give yourself give yourself as many chances to hit on those college guys as you can. 
if you're not maybe maybe drafting isn't your strength you know um and and so for you know for that person maybe they feel better making a more lateral move where you know they they've they've seen a player and they feel confident that they know that that guy is going to be a guy to contribute you know over time um and 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 they can rely on that. So I think, you you know, and that's, that's kind of an important point to, to make too, is I think you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And we all have both. I mean, we, we all like to think we know it all and, and are good at all of it. And some of us are better than others at many things, but you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's really important to know your own strengths and, we- and weaknesses and then build your teams accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome advice, Brian. Um, I think the other thing that we have to keep into account is that no two leagues are the same. So this is going to be, you're going to have to test the market, you know? I mean, for instance, right now, people are valuing 2020 picks like no other year that I can remember. Um, So, you know, two years ago, if you were rebuilding, you could probably get two or three first round picks for a proven asset um, in, in a year and, and you'd feel pretty good about it this year. You might only be able to get one in a second, you know, or something because, you know, the value just might not be there. So then you have to look at, okay, do I want to, do I want to acquire a bunch of younger players, you know, and, and always remember if you're dealing one guy and you're getting three or four high upside young guys back, um, you know, who are you cutting? You know, you got to keep that in mind too. If the roster is that bad and you're cutting three guys that, you know, you really weren't going to keep anyways, then, you know, that's, that's a legitimate way to approach a rebuild for an orphan. However, if you look at it and you go, man, I'd have to cut three guys that I know they're, they're going to get picked up on the waiver wire. Then maybe right. you don't want to do that. Maybe then you want to do a two for one type deal, you know, something like that, where you're giving up two or three players to get one, one high, you know, uh, high ceiling guy back that you really, really like. So um, it, it really is roster dependent, but it also dependent on the market and, and your league and how they're going to value things. So doing lateral moves to me, isn't, isn't a bad, bad way to do things at all. It's a very nice option because a lot of times leagues are going to overvalue picks and younger players and, uh, and you're not going to be able to pry them away from certain owners unless you're going to overpay. So sometimes those lateral moves are nice because you do a lateral move like that. You know, you, you deal Tyreek and you get Juju and you feel good about it. And four weeks from now, Juju's value is through the roof because he's the Juju of old. And you said, hey, man, that's that's why I did this. I felt good about it. And now all of a sudden you can take Juju and deal him for those younger guys that you couldn't do with Tyreek. So those lateral moves, I think, can set you up for the future. It's almost like chess. You just you, you want to acquire the uh, the right pieces at the right times and have them in the right places. So um, to me, uh, orphans are great. It's, it's so fun to, to take it over and to try to rebuild it from what it was to what it can be in your vision. So um, I'm not always the best at, at doing that successfully right away, but, uh, but I always enjoy it. I, I think it's a, it's a fun process. So if you've never done it, John, I would recommend, man, if you uh, next off season um, picking up an orphan team. Um, I know Scott fish tweets out a bunch from the leagues that he runs and they're, they're fantastic. They're a lot of fun. I got in one myself this year and uh, I'm currently rebuilding it and it's, it's a blast. So um, yeah, let's, let's move on. We got one more question here from, uh, from, from Stompy Lane. Can I, can I cut in with a live, with a live update real fast? Absolutely. Our, our initial topic was about Stefan Diggs. And uh, mm-hmm. it just said from so jo- Josina Anderson just said, if Vikings informed interested teams that wide receiver Stefan Diggs is not available for trade. Ooh. So okay. there That's was interesting. That. That's, oh, it, it's interesting. I don't know. I will. 
we'll kind of see. Um, it's definitely interesting news. And if it's true, then, uh, then, you know, we're, we're kind of making, making something out of nothing, but, uh, yeah, it's I, e- I don't, it, it's either that or it's bring the juice. Yeah. Well then that's just <laughs> it. And that's, that's just it is, you know, we, we hear that a lot, um, when they don't want it leaked that a guy is on the market because, you know, maybe Stefan Diggs requested a trade and that takes all the leverage away from the team. So, you know, if they, if they uh, notify teams that way and it gets leaked that that's what happened, then, you know, they get the leverage back. So, um, we'll, we'll have to see now Stompy has a, has a question and I, I'm really interested in what you guys think on this because this happens a lot in the community. Um, and I don't know if it's frowned down upon, or if it's um, if it if it kind of gets a point across, um, so I, I kind of want to hear what you guys think on it. So Stompy says, um, question: How do you feel about people rage countering a trade? So they get a trade, maybe they think that it's it's just ridiculous or it's um, or it's disrespectful or something, and so they counter a trade with a uh, a completely ridiculous off the wall trade um, back to you to kind of get their point across. So what do you guys what do you guys think on that? Yeah, so I feel pretty strongly about this, um, and I've talked about it on different shows before, but um, I don't appreciate rage. I mean, I, I try really, really hard, and look, I'm not perfect. I have sent bad trade offers back when I've gotten them before, but I really try to resist doing that because it's not productive at all. It doesn't do anything productive to help you. I mean, basically what you're doing is putting your middle finger out and if that's the type of person you want to be and that's the type of relationship you want to have with that particular owner in your league okay i mean that's fine you can do that i haven't found success when when i have interactions like that i haven't found success being able to make deals with those owners in the future so as a trade addict right and i mean i i want as many trade partners as i can possibly have what i'd rather do is i'd rather play dumb that's what i do i Mm -hmm. play dumb so you send me an awful trade offer and i say thanks for the offer i appreciate it um i don't think this is is very close value wise um you know, this is more along the lines of what I would be looking for for the players that you're interested in. If you're interested in that, hit me back. If not, then so be it. I just I I try really hard not to. And, and again, I, I've been a jerk before, but I try really hard not to be just because I don't I don't ever make an offer with the intent to rip somebody off. I may go a little bit lower than what I think my final deal is because yeah i mean again i said it earlier we're all in it to win right but i also try to match trades that make so you probably shouldn't have put that up right in the middle of my speaking uh real quick while 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 brian was in the middle of his spiel we got somebody in our chat jessica bailey who um who said i i i her comment is i like stompy's bulge but i like jordan atkins better um so Jordan Aikens, but e- either way, um, yeah. So I had to put that up on the screen while uh, Brian was talking, and uh, and all three of us, of course, had to smile and laugh during it. So, um, well, well timed. But uh, okay, so so Brian, I I totally get your point on this, um, and I think I, I've heard you before kind of comments on this too um, on on the Trade Addicts Pod. So um, I I kind of know what your stance is on this, and I I, I like the fact that you kind of kind of you have that line in the sand, you know, you've drawn that line in the sand. This is, this is it. This is the way I feel about it. What about you, John? Um, 
how do you feel about this? Does this get a point across to the other owner that, hey, look, I'm just not interested in dealing this guy for what you're valuing him at? Or do you think that there's a better way to do this, that this just doesn't really doesn't really need to be done, that sort of thing? I send out about 10 trades a day to, you know, throughout all my leagues. I, I'm that guy. I don't, you know, if I think it's a fair, real trade I'll, addict here. Okay. Uh, I, I love it. I, you know, it's probably, it makes, I love fantasy football. It's my favorite pastime. That's why I do this stuff. And I, so I send trades out all day long, every day, you know, and what I do is I try to gauge people's interests. You know, if I send something out and you counter back with something stupid or say, you know, a lot of people overvalue their players and that's okay. You know, I, it just, I don't overvalue your players and I don't overvalue my players. I know they're worth, you know, I, I, um, I do the best I can to send things out and hopefully they'll come back with responses that are, you know, somewhat, you know, productive or, you know, t- towards future trades or whatever. But if I get yelled at from somebody, I, I, you know, I don't care. I just know that some people don't like being approached with trades that they feel are unfair. And if you overvalue your players, every trade is going to be unfair. So, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stop sending trades. I let it roll right off my shoulders. It doesn't bother me one bit. I don't care. Guess what? You're getting three more trades tomorrow. So it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting way to, to approach it too. Is that like, you know, it, it, I, I think you just kind of made my point for me too, is that it just, it, like Brian said, it doesn't accomplish anything. Um, you know, I, we just sent you, we, you know, somebody hypothetically just sent you a, a, you know, you sent a trade offer and they sent one back that said, okay, you want Alvin Kamara and you're going to offer that garbage. Well, now for Alvin Kamara, you can pay um, Todd Gurley, Patrick Mahomes, two 2021sts, um, Travis Kelsey, and, you know, just a ridiculous offer. And, and you're, you're just basically saying, yeah, I don't really care. I'm just going to deny it. And I'm going to send you three more trades. Like it doesn't even work. Like, you know, the, the point it's supposed to get across doesn't even get across to John. And, you know, when it does, it just burns bridges. People take it personally and go, you know what, if, if you're, you know, if you think that little of my trade offer and that's how you're going to respond instead of, you know, just responding, Hey, you know what, I don't think we're close here. So we're probably not. And that's honestly, that's what I do more times than not. If I see, an offer that we're not close on and you know i just value a player differently i'll just let someone know hey you know i appreciate the offer but i don't think we're close right now and a lot of times i'll get a well what would it take to move this guy and then it just you know it promotes dialogue and so i i kind of like doing it that way um but but i think that's the better way to do it now i'm i'm gonna be totally honest here i have done this i've done this you know where i just get so upset because i get a guy who is constantly asking about a player and i've i've already told them hey look you know um we just value this player differently and then i still get 18 different um versions of the same deal with the same players involved for that guy and i i I, you know i've snapped i've gotten to the point where i just go you know what forget it like i'll just counter you know you really want him pay this 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 and this this is what it's going to take and i'll put it in the comments you know if you really want him this is what it's going to take you know and i i've done that and it is counterproductive um it really is and uh and and there's no purpose to doing it um but i've done it you know i'm going to be totally honest i have done this um i just don't think it's the best way to do anything i I don't think it it uh it really promotes anything and then a lot of times the person that made you the initial offer comes back to you and tells you hey look you know i wasn't trying to be a jerk but this is what i was thinking you know and like then all of a sudden you know you feel like a jerk back because you go well you know they were actually sending this as a legit 
legitimate offer. They weren't trying to rip me off. They just didn't, you know, they just value these guys way differently than I do. So, and that happens, you know, that happens to all of us. So I, to me, again, I'm, I'm with you, Brian. I'm with you, you John, as well, is that uh, to me, it doesn't really matter if I get it. However, I think there's a better way to handle it. It's pretty counterproductive. The only thing you're going to do is burn a bridge uh, at that point. So uh, for me, you know, I, I, I don't see a need for it. Um, but again, you know, I've, I've done it. So I can't, I can't sit on my high horse and uh, look down on the, uh, the minions that would do such a terrible thing. Uh, I've, uh, I've been one of those guys that has done that. So, um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, Okay, so guys, uh, let's let's move on here. Um, I've, I've got another question for you guys, and I'm interested to see. We just did um, our 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 episode, uh, John. You were on there. We just did uh, an episode, Brian, where we did our quarter of the year awards, right? And we gave out awards for for certain uh, certain certain players for you know offensive rookie of the year, that sort of thing. Um, but but we only we only gave out awards for like six different categories. So I kind of want to get an award for you know a lot of people don't use kickers team defense you know idp is is somewhat you know but uh, as far as defensive defensive teams go um how historic is is what new england is doing um can they keep this up i'm looking at their schedule man they got a soft schedule coming up here like how long can new england be one of those top top defenses because you just don't think of new england as a top defense normally but man they've been playing lights out so so let me just say New England has had a soft schedule for 20 years. No, I'm just I'm that's just the that's the the hurt the hurt Yeah. Well, when you get the Dolphins out. twice every year, I mean Well, and, and, yeah, they're yeah. But, but here's 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 the other thing. They're like 11 Thanks, and, they're like 11 and 2 in that time period against my Pittsburgh Steelers who I don't like to think as an average NFL team. I mean, I like to think that they're above average. James, you may argue with me on that, but that's okay. Um but but yeah, I mean, yeah, I I mean yes, I think they can continue to do it. I don't I don't see any reason why they really can't. Um, you know, and and yeah, it's unbelievable what they're doing. And so and good. I'm sorry. So just 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 for reference, okay, they play the Redskins this week in Week mm-hmm. Five. Okay, they they then play the Giants, who I, as much as I love Danny Dimes, that's that's okay. So then, so then on Monday night they they play the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, as their next three games. Now, week eight, they play at home against Cleveland. Um, while I don't think the Browns offense is what I thought it was, that that might be their toughest matchup um, here to date, to be honest with you. Um, so it gets a little tougher after week eight, but these next few weeks, man, Washington, the Giants, and the Jets, what do we think? Do we think that, I mean, can this defense really put up some historic numbers? I just don't see it being a historic defense, but man, they have been historically good so far. I'm in a league on sleeper that, uh, you know, everybody's nuts about the bears and my scoring is, uh, is it's a lot of points, a lot of bonuses for shutouts and for yardage and for, you know, the lack of points that you give up. And the bears are the second highest team at 82 points. The Patriots have 128 points in that league. That's the difference in score. They are ruthless on defense. I mean, uh, the bears make the bears have a lot of turnovers and they, and they create great situations, but the Patriots, it, they just they held everybody down and did no touchdowns, no points. Three, you only give up three points a game or six points a game. That's that, that's a lot of big. That's a lot of fantasy points, and that's what you're playing. That's that's what you're playing a defense for. Some people only have you know like basic basic settings where a defense isn't worth as much. But in my league, 
every in in one of my leagues, every position that is even kickers have you know bonus way big bonuses and everything else. The defense has turnovers, sacks, safeties. You, you know, uh, you know it's ten, uh, ten points for a, for a shutout. Uh, you know, it's minus ten points if you give up like over five hundred yards. There's a lot of uh, a lot of situations here, but. The Patriots are just well – they're well above – and not even close to anybody else. And like you said, it, their, their schedule is just powder puff the rest of the way almost. I, I, their defense has been good in the past, but I don't think I've ever seen a defense with players this good that aren't – you know, none of them are special, special, but they all work as a, as a complete group. They're coached well. They play well. They're, everything about them is just one – it's like a, it's like a Swiss watch. Every part is working perfectly to make this thing go right. Right, and it's it's as a Dolphins fan, it makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's unreal when you look at you know what they've done so far, and to think there's a chance that they could be the next two weeks going against rookie quarterbacks. And I think we know Bill Belichick normally does a pretty good job against rookie signal callers, right? And then we've already seen what they can do against the Jets. They already played the Jets. Now, granted, that was with Luke Falk, and I think Darnold will be back by then. So it should be a little bit more of a competitive game. But, man, like, this does not look good for those those opponents these next three weeks to me. Like, this New England defense is going to cause turnovers. I mean, I think Washington turns the ball over a, a good amount. Um, you know, Daniel Jones, while he doesn't throw a ton of interceptions – has a fumbling issue, you know, and and that could could rear its ugly head. That, that New England defense, man, could really – really um, put up some numbers in these next few weeks and really just look like a dominant unit. Um, it, it's so crazy because we think about the New England offense and we don't think about the defense as much. But uh, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about well, real quick. Oh, so, go ahead. so, James, just one more point on that. So so your last comment, especially there, we, we talk about the New England offense, but we don't talk about the New England defense. Part of the reason that the New England defense is so good is because they are playing with the lead a hundred percent of the time too. they pin their ears back. They go after the quarterback and they have playmakers on the back end that can create turnovers. That's why they're so dominant. I mean, if they're, if they're trailing by 14 points, you know, then, then it's a different story. You, you got to kind of hold the line. Like you got to bend, don't break those types of things. This defense plays a hundred miles per hour, straight forward with the lead every play of every single game so far this season. So this last game was the closest and really it wasn't that close. I mean, it, it, it wasn't as close as the score would indicate. They played with the lead in most of this game too. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's something to note here too. Um, you know, and, and I think it, 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 that is why we talk about that new England offense so much because they are so darn good that they make the defense better too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that's a very good point. You're right. When you play with the lead, it's a whole lot easier to play defense when you're up, you know, um, you can take chances and you can, you know, I mean, there are things you can do. You can pin your ears back when you're up enough to just, you know, go after the, go after the, uh, the quarterback and you can just send the pass rush. So um, that, that is a good point too. But I think, I think a lot of it too is, you know, when this new England offense does struggle, like they did last game, that defense just keeps them in line too. you know, creates turnovers, gives them the ball with short fields, and, you know, kind of lets them, lets them go. But um, one of the other reasons why I wanted to bring this up, and again, I said we don't talk about kicker much. We don't talk about defense much. We just talked about how good New England's defense is. I think kicker is interesting because Steven Goskowski has been placed on the IR. His season is over. It sounds like they brought in kickers uh, for New England. 
to kind of kind of come in and you know normally i wouldn't make a huge deal out of this but for new england and their 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 dynasty it's pretty much been adam vinatieri and steven goskowski right and those guys have had to make some pretty big kicks so this year you you're you're gone goskowski's out for the year they've already said you know he's 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 not coming back this year um so what what does that do to this team you know i mean is is this is this is there a team that can take advantage of New England not having an experienced kicker uh, in the playoffs or in a, in a close game, you know, towards the end, uh, an important game? A team like Kansas City, is there a team that we think as of right now is close enough that, you know what, this kicker thing might end up being a bigger deal than than normally? Yeah, I don't think so, and here's why. I mean, why would you not go with two for that team with that team anyways? I mean, you have the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. You have receivers that figure out a way to get open, especially down around the goal line. I mean, I I don't, if anything, this almost makes them more damn ruthless because they're going to get two points after every touchdown instead of one. It's ridiculous. I that's, hate New England. About, I, I'm about, I'll tell you what, I'm about sick of New England. I'm about sick of talking about them. I'm about, I'd rather talk about the Browns, James, than well, talk, I, about, I, than talk I, about New England. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> I tell you, oh, John, John, how dare you? I, I, all right, I tell you what, I, I, I'm, I'm a closet New England fan. Um, uh, I can tell you that. Okay. Cleveland has been so bad that come the playoffs, I just need to root for any team that can beat Pittsburgh. And lo and behold, the New England Patriots are that team. Hallelujah. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So it, when the, when the Browns are out of it, man, I've, I've been rooting for the, for the, uh, for, for the Patriots. But I, I will tell you this. What I find interesting about your comment is this. Um, the go for two thing um, is is really interesting to me because in the past New England's had Rob Gronkowski. They've had that tight end presence in the red zone. They don't have that mm-hmm. now. James Devlin's on the on the IR, which means they don't have a fullback. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, to go for two, you're going to have to spread the ball out. You, you have limited amount of room, and you got to think that those pick plays are going to be the first thing that these teams are going to start looking for. And that's really what they do to get people open. I don't know that going for two this year for New England is is going to be as beneficial as it normally is. Now, that being said, that could just mean that they only convert on 65% instead of 80% like they normally would. Um so so you could still have a point there. Um however, I do think that, you know, if 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 there's a team that could keep it close and they're going to push, you know, the New England Patriots to kick a field goal in, you know, December or January, um outdoors and Goskowski's not there, man. This I, I think this injury could be Maybe not huge for for fantasy, but it may be huge for you know just the NFL. You know, I mean, it, it, it's weird that a kicker it, it could be could be hurt, and it could really kind of have that. I, I could see a team like Kansas City, you know, playing them tough, uh, being within three points, and New England having to kick a go ahead field goal or a game tying field goal or something, and and missing it, you know, because because they they don't have that reliable good old. Adam Vinatieri or Steven Goskowski back there that they can rely on week in and week out. So I, to me, it's an interesting um, conversation. John, you've watched New England firsthand as Miami Dolphins fan. Um, my apologies, my condolences. Um, what, uh, what do you think? Do you think that this, this could be something that uh, could, could rear up and bite New England? Or do you think uh, kind of like Brian does is just going to make them even more ruthless and more dangerous? Uh, you know what? special teams is one third of the football game. There's offense, there's defense and there's special teams. If you don't have a, a good kicker, 
I mean, that could cost you a season. Look at the Bears last year with a double doink. I mean, not that even their kicker was good. It's just a uh, a situation that put them, uh, you know, knocked them out of the playoffs. But what happens if they pay? What happens if New England ends up playing Buffalo in the first or in the second round of playoffs this year? And they, you know, and they only score three. They, they don't have that. They have a field goal kicker that misses three field goals on you know, on a windy day. And you know, well, they'll be playing in New England. It's the same, pretty much the same weather. Um, so uh, if you don't have a good kicker to rely on. I guess you could, like Brian said, you can go for two all the time. And I couldn't see, I could see the Patriots kind of using that cheat code to to find another way to beat everybody. But if you don't have a solid kicker, that's a serious problem. It's like I said, it's a third of the game. It's a, uh, it's very important part of the NFL game anyway. So I, uh, I don't know what they do. I don't know what, uh, what New England's got to find somebody. I'm not even sure who's on the waiver wire as far as kickers concerned. I'm looking at these alerts every like half hour because I can use a kicker in like five leagues, and um, I, uh, I, I'm really waiting to sign to find out who they who they pick up so I can hurry up and grab them before anybody else sees them before they wake up in the morning. I've, I've been waiting too, and I, I don't know that that news is coming tonight. I think maybe we have, might have to wait till tomorrow, John, which which kind of is a bummer because everyone's going to know at that point, but. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, to me, it's it's an interesting topic. Um, but I, all right, I have one last thing I want to discuss with you guys before we go. And uh, since we don't have any other questions from the group chat, I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys. So three players right now that I think have disappointed owners at uh, so far in this season have disappointed owners. So let's, let's shift our brains from dynasty to redraft. You got these guys in redraft. You got to pick. You're going to keep one. You're going to trade one. You're going to cut one. That's what we're going to play here with these three guys. Tell me who you're going to keep, who you're going to trade, and who you're going to cut. The options are Stefan Diggs, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Joe Mixon. Who are you keeping, who are you cutting, and who are you trading? Man, John, let's start with you. Who, who are you keeping, who are you cutting, who are you trading out of those three? Keeping Juju. I'm, I'm keeping Juju. I'm uh, trading Mixon as fast as I can. Um, and uh, I'm going to try and trade Diggs for whatever I can get for him. So... That's uh, that's, that's 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 not the game. See, you just you just ruined it, John. You just ruined it. You got to cut one, all right? Who are you what cutting? Oh, who are you keep... cutting? If not, I'm cutting that's... Juju for you. No, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I'm cutting all Mixon. Right. I'm keeping Diggs, and I'm uh, Diggs? yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trading Diggs, keeping Juju, and cutting Mixon. Okay, okay, interesting, oh. interesting. Brian, what you got for me, man? What you what you doing here? Yeah, so I'm keeping Juju. Um. I am trading Joe Mixon and I'm cutting digs. Okay. Okay. So I don't like it. Similar. But uh, yeah, I don't like it, but I'm doing it. Which uh which part don't you like? I don't like any of it. <laughs> I'm okay trading Mixon. I'm good trading Mixon because I, I think don't there's like a any lot of <laughs> I think there's a lot of people out there that like Joe Mixon a little bit more than I do. Um you know, but that offense is just bleh, and that in the line and you know, I just I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better this year. I don't even know. You know, they get late in the season and they've won two games by week, you know, whatever, 12. I mean, are you even running him out there <laughs> or, you know, if he's going to get killed every game? So I don't know. I, I just worth, don't. Who's worth more on a trade block right now? Uh, Diggs or Mixon? I would think Mixon. I would not, think not by much. Really? Well, I tell you what, I'm I'm going to answer yeah. this. I my my answer, I'm keeping Mixon. Okay, I'm keeping the running back. Um, I feel like receivers are a little bit more replaceable. I'm trading Juju because I think Juju is going to get me the highest value in return, 
and I'm cutting digs. Um, so that, that would be my, what I would do personally. Um, I think running back is so hard, man. If you, if you were to cut or trade Mixon, you trade them, you're just not getting value. Right. I mean, none of these guys are going to bring back the value that they should. Right. So that's the hard part about trading any of these guys is you're, you're just, you're not going to get very good value for any of them. So that's the tough part, but I I would keep mixing only because man, where are you going to find another running back at this point? You know, it's tough, tough to replace running back. It's a little easier to find wide receivers that you can stream week in and week out. Um, So I think that's why I would keep mixing. Although you guys make some good points. He's I'm probably more worried about mixing than either of these other guys. That offensive line is terrible. The offense is bad. The only thing I'm hoping for is when AJ green comes back and AJ green and Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert are all healthy that this passing game will do enough so that way he doesn't see a bunch of loaded boxes and, you know, they can get him the ball in space, however they, they can do that. So um, that, that would be my only hope would be keeping digs and, and hoping for that uh, again, trading Juju, because I think he'll, he'll garner me the most in return at this point, um, especially in redraft, especially if you're just looking at points scored, he scored the most points and, you know, um, Last week, he didn't do much, but the week before, um, like uh, Brian and I talked about, he had that big touchdown, um, and that really helped boost his stats. So when you look at his numbers, they don't look as bad because he's gotten in the end zone a couple times. He's had some long plays, so that helps. Um, and then Diggs, for me, I mean, his value is is so far down right now without a trade. Um, it's 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 tough to, you know, I mean, if you're not holding him, you know, you're not getting much back in value. So I think that's what I would do. So um so, yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting question um, as far as right now, if you had to deal Mixon or Diggs, who would you get more back for? I, I guess it would be the running back. Um, but, man, I mean, those numbers are brutal. What do you, you – Brian, you think you think it's Mixon, barely? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think, you know – I don't know. It's tough. I, I just think – you know, I think – there's still people out there that think that he will probably get so much work and he's, you know, he, he, he flashed last year. I mean, he had a big Mm -hmm. year last year. So, I mean, I think, you know, there's probably some patient people that are attached that, uh, you know, you could still, you could still probably, um, you know, get some good return for him. Um, it's it's hard. It's really tough between well, those two. It's it's pretty darn close. Let I me think. let me put it this way, okay? Let's put it this way. Let's say both of you guys right now own Stefan Diggs. You guys have Stefan Diggs rostered on your roster, mm-hmm. and someone comes up and they ask you, uh, they they offer you a trade. They're they're going to give you Joe Mixon straight up for Stefan Diggs. Would you accept it or would you deny it? It's just in a vacuum. We don't know the rosters, but you have Stefan Diggs. Someone offers you Mixon. Are you accepting the trade or are you denying it? I'm taking. I would probably take it. You would I'd take probably, it. So you would I take. I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. I'd you probably wouldn't. Keep digs. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. I think. Now, now, now. Let me preface this. This is for redraft. So does that change either of your answers? Redraft. You're not in dynasty. You're in redraft. Would you take Mixon for digs still, Brian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And John, I think, you, you, I think so. You still wouldn't, right? I don't. I don't. I I think Diggs is going to turn around. I think Diggs has a much better chance of turning it around 
than uh, than Mixon does. That's the only reason mm-hmm. I'm saying no because they haven't passed at all. He hasn't really got any chances, and now they're all complaining. They're all you know, and it's in the greasy the the squeaky wheel gets the oil. They're all you know, everybody's complaining on the sidelines about not getting passes and what's going on with the offense. They're going to have to rectify that some way by throwing the ball. Well, they gave yeah. Mixon has been getting the carries and he's not doing anything with him. So. I, I don't know how much they can fix the offense in Cincinnati, but I know they could fix the, the play-action pass with a good running back. You know, Diggs is an awesome route runner. He's a great receiver. I think he is the most, he has a better chance of turning his season around than Mixon does. That's the only reason I'm keeping mm-hmm. Diggs. And, and, and I think that's a good point. But to me, though, the, the problem is, is that I don't know that Minnesota is capable of doing the offensive line's terrible. Okay. So they they can't protect for for Kirk Cousins. Cousins has looked awful. And I've gone to bat for this guy so many times because I just yeah. he's he's a player that I really like. But he's looked terrible. He really has. Even when he has time, he looks fluttered and he's he's not throwing from a good base. His mechanics are off. He just doesn't look good. Um and, and that's a problem too for Diggs. And lastly the problem is is that they gotta win. You know, like Minnesota's main goal is to win because they, I mean, there, there's, there's coaches that could lose their job this year. You know, if, if they're, if they're, you know, poor and they, they miss the playoffs and they don't look like they're doing what they should. They were winning when they were running heavily, when they were playing good defense and they were just running the ball and pounding the rock and getting it to Delvin Cook. So I don't know that they see a need to change it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're right, John, there, there is some squeaky wheels over there. Maybe they, you know, they throw them a bone every now and then to kind of keep them okay. But Right now, man, I don't know. Stephon Diggs, uh, maybe he's not okay. Maybe that's the problem is that Minnesota is not taking trade offers for him, maybe, you know, as reported earlier that you you kind of told us about, John. Maybe that's it. But maybe they're just saying, you know what, we're going to use you the way we use you, Diggs, and that's that's just kind of how it's going to go, and we're not going to take offers for you. But, uh, but the main goal there is going to be to win, and if they can win with defense and running the ball, man, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of urgency to get Diggs the ball. That's what scares me. Now, you're right. Mixon is getting the carries. He's getting opportunities. He's doing next to nothing with them. But, man, I don't think either of these offensive lines are very good, and I think it affects both these players. So, to me, I'll, I'll take the running back. I'll take the guy that I think is going to get more touches in a game. And if he can just get that one touch, that one big play that can break it away, he can make uh, that can make his day. It can for Diggs as well. I just don't think he's going to have as many opportunities to do that. So, to me, that's why I would take Mixon. But I do think it's really close um, for do- sure, guys. Do you guys so I, I oh man, this is really hurting me. I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy too. I mean I mean I'm I'm not choosing him in this particular argument right now, but do you guys think that if he hadn't caught the Minneapolis miracle, do you think that his image is different? Because or 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 and and a follow-up question to that is what we saw from Diggs last year, his ceiling. Because I think a lot of us, me included, are op- operate under the assumption that he's got a whole nother level that he has not reached yet. But like, we're not talking about a second or third year player here, you know. And and now the offense with with the way it's running through Dalvin Cook, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Did we miss on? Did we miss? Look, I look. I've seen the film. I, I've watched him run routes. I like what I see. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's it's ridiculous sometimes watching him run routes because he's so wide open. And maybe with a different quarterback and a different offense, he does have another stratosphere. But in this particular offense, with this quarterback, I don't know if I see a ceiling that's much higher than what he did last year. Yeah, what do you I, think, John? I don't know. I mean, I, I he's uh, 
He's only had 19 targets this entire year with only 13 of those being catches. He had a touchdown callback. He uh, he had a touchdown overturned. He had a couple of miscues that were just misses on the targets that he did have. I mean, he could have had a lot better years out of the out of the the poor, you know, the only 19 targets he's had. Uh, you know, I I just I don't think he's made, this is his fourth year. I don't think he's just that. Uh, you know, he's not the, he's a young, talented player who hasn't had the opportunity yet. And the, the miracle. It doesn't I mean? Yeah, it was great to see. It's a feel-good story, but but I don't uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's a ceiling by any means. I don't think that's like last year was any kind of a a ceiling. If anything, so far this whole year has been a floor of his career because he hasn't had an opportunity to. They're they're going to throw the ball. They you know especially if something happens to Dalvin Cook when they and then they they know they they don't have a stud running back anymore. Then all of a sudden it's it's a you know Alexander Madison show and who knows how good he could be. So you have to throw the ball. What happens then when it's he becomes seventy percent uh, passing and twenty percent run, thirty percent running. Then what yeah. happens? Yeah, don't don't get me started on Madison because I think that boy is very talented. But I know um, I can't get him anywhere. Uh, yeah, I know. I, but I I will tell you this though. I I think I think your point is well taken. I mean, he definitely hasn't had the opportunity that he has in the past, and opportunity is obviously king. But like Brian said, you know, we we have to tie him to this offense for what four years? I mean, that's that's basically where you know. Outside of a trade, and if they're if Minnesota's not taking offers, you know this is this is kind of the reality that we're at with him. Um, so what changes? You know, do do they see need to change, and they're going to have to throw the ball more, and they're going to target Diggs more and Thielen more, and things change? You know, um, and if if they do, do they have the personnel that's going to allow this to be a successful? You, you know, know what, what if they're using the, what if they're using this time right now to run the ball while they're practicing offensive line schemes because the guys aren't that good. They're not. They're not. They're not uh, cooperating as a, as a one full unit. All there's, they're still doing audibles. They're still kind of catching on. They're not getting the grasp of the playbook, or, or they're not giving the quarterback enough time because they're not a good pass blocking team. What if they're running the ball right now so they can they can they can gel a little better for a couple of weeks? You know, they they've played it's a pretty good. I mean, the teams they've played so far have been pretty tough. You know, against you know, so it's not like they had an easy schedule anyway. But um, what if they're just using this their first quarter of the season to kind of get their whole team to gel together? And now all of a sudden the passing game is going to start blossoming because they now they're now they're a pass blocking unit. They can do both. Some teams are just run blocking teams. Some teams are just pass blocking teams. It's hard to find teams that are very well you know balanced. And I'm yeah. not sure that Minnesota is very well balanced right now. Maybe they're not sure. They're not. They're not. They're not confident in their pass blocking skills and their passing game, so they're just feeding the run right now, and eventually they're going to start transitioning to more of a 50-50 or, you know, share or something like that. Yeah, they, and they, they could. They could. But like you said, you know, a lot of times it's hard to find that that type of offensive line or that type of offense that has that balance, right? And so sure. maybe this offensive line just isn't very good at doing one thing, and they're very good at doing the other. And Minnesota acknowledged it and just said, you know what, we're going to embrace what they're good at. We're going to, you know, instead of – you know, I, I tell you what, my I, a little story here. My mom was uh, was born in England, and she was born left-handed. And instead of embracing the fact that she was left-handed and nurturing that, they switched her to right-handed. And what ended up happening was she can write right-handed, but now she does things. She can do some things left-handed, some things right-handed. Um, it didn't totally take. So, I guess my thing is is that. If, if you just embrace what you're good at, which I think the Vikings can do, and they're winning when they when they do that, by the way, with Delvin Cook, they embrace, hey, we're a good running team. When Delvin Cook gets the ball a bunch, we're, you know, we're winning and, and we're playing good defense. We feel like this is a formula to win. I don't know that they see a need to change it. And that's that's my issue is that, you know, do they see a need to, to throw the ball more? And the problem is, is I don't know that they're going to. Um, 
I think they can keep games close with that defense and with the running game close enough to where they're going to be in most games come down to the end. So um, if, if there's not a need to change it, I don't know why they would. Um, so, so you're right. I mean, outside of injury, uh, obviously if, you know, if you suffer an injury at the running back position, you get thin there, maybe that's the need, but um, outside of that, I don't, I don't know that you, you have to do that. So to me, um, you know, it's interesting. And, and to answer your question, Brian, as far as digs goes, it, man, that is, that is really, really tough to, to answer because, um, you know, this could be his floor, like John said, I mean, this very well could be like his floor and he has another, that, that other stratosphere, but I don't know that we can bank on seeing it because I don't know if Minnesota is ever going to be a pass first team. And I think that's what it would take to see him, you know, go into that next stratosphere to be a Keenan Allen type player, you know, to where week in and week out, you can expect big numbers, you know, the, the Hopkins OBJ type type player. If he's ever going to descend to that, they're going to, he's going to have to be part of a pass happy offense, which I'm not saying can't happen. I just don't see it happening anytime in the near future. So that's the problem for me is that I would bet against it. Um, in the next couple of years here, by the time we do see it, he could be 28, 29, um, you know, and, uh, and on his way down as far as uh, value goes. So um, to me, it's interesting. This is one of those guys. It's really interesting to, to kind of see what we do with him, whether we hold them, whether we move them and, uh, and what ends up happening. So um, gentlemen, do you guys have anything else before we go? You know, we live in a world of metrics where it's all, you know, everything averages out. You know, they can kind of say next year we're expecting this because this happened a year before that. And two years from now, it's going to be the, the same as it was the year before and next year and so and so. So if we're going by the projections before the season started that Stefan Diggs is going to get 130 catch, 130 targets with 90 catches, so be it. You know, that's probably going to happen or somewhere close to there. Just well, because I, I, I would argue, the- John, I would argue that if, if fantasy was as easy as us just going by the projections, um, uh, there would be no, no, no skill involved. We would just be able to read off a spreadsheet who the next guy is and who's going to score the next highest amount of points, you know? So oh, I, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. You're right. There's, there's definitely room and, and it gives us, you know, knowledge to make an educated decision on who we want to take and where player value should be. But man, it very rarely does it ever go to the point where we can go, Oh yeah, I nailed the top seven wide receivers this year, <laughs> you know, because Terry McLaurin's happen and, and just stuff, weird stuff happens in football and it's so hard to, to kind of acknowledge it, but um, you're right. A lot of times it does kind of, kind of co- go back to the mean. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, I did want to get that in. So John, go ahead and finish. No, I mean, you, you kind of, we, we, we base our, 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 our draft every year, whether it be a rookie draft or, you know, generally speaking, the redraft or a startup draft, you kind of base on what you've known from the past, what you expect from the future. And that's all like metrics and, and, you know, and it's all, you know, averages and everything else. And this is going to have three or four games with probably 15 targets, you know, like, you know, it's going to be those games. And right there, if he's only expected 130 targets all season long, three games of 15 targets when he has these monster boomer bust games, you know, he, that's half his targets for the year in three or four games if he has that kind of situation. So I, uh, I nobody's saying that he's going to be four, you know, six targets a game the rest, the rest of the season. He's only going to have about 80 targets or 70 targets. He's going to have some big games. You just haven't seen him yet. I think I honestly think that those those projections, you know, although not right all the time, some a lot of times they're pretty close. You know, they're, they're awfully close to what you can expect from the players that you're drafting. You know, it might be 10 off or 20 off or minus injuries or, you know, situations like that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's only two good receivers on that offense. So, I mean, they're going to get the pass. They're going to get the reset, the receptions. 
and they're going to have to start throwing the ball. They can't throw the ball 10 times a game. It's Dalvin Cook's going to get hurt. Like Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley did from running the ball 15 times, 25 times a game. You know, it's, it's, it's inevitable. You can't do that with one player. Mm-hmm. So. All right, Brian, you got anything for us before we uh, sign off here? Uh, Saquon is the goat. Saquon number one. Saquon is the goat. Saquon number one. I'm I'm mad at you, by the way, because you made a trade where you got Saquon and you gave up Nick Chubb plus, and I had to vote on that, and I voted, I voted for the Saquon side, and I hated myself for it. I felt <laughs> dirty the entire time, as much as I like um Saquon I I love Nick Chubb too and um after the game he had I was walking on clouds I was so happy because this is what I'd been saying all year hand the ball off give it to Chubb and they did and the dude just balled and I was just so happy and then you just you brought me right back down to earth with that trade <laughs> and you just cashed in on that big game and you moved Chubb for Barkley and um I had to approach it with a with a clear mind and go yeah I'd, I'd take Barkley here and it it made me sad I'll tell you that much it made me sad so uh, that's <laughs> can I, that's can I throw a trade to you guys real fast yeah let's do it I did I had one today in my well I'm I this is one of those uh guy who yelled at me for proposing this trade. So I, this is kind of what Snoppy was talking about before, but I had a uh, Aaron Jones and this is a guy who's owned four and he's only got like three good players on his team. The rest of his team is bad. You know, like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I said, give me Aaron Jones and Marvin Jones. I gave him a 2020 third and fourth, a 2021st, second, third and fourth. Uh, and I, there was a player involved there. I forgot who I or somebody else, but um, I, I don't know how how to gauge Aaron Jones this year. I asked Peter Howard uh, this this uh, this morning on on Twitter. Kind of is is Aaron Jones a sell or a buy for you guys? Well, you're going to get two different answers here, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> James and I feel very differently about Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that Aaron Jones is a buy. Um especially coming off of the week he had. So he didn't, he, he actually scored pretty decently in PPR scoring. I think he had like 17 and a half, but if yeah. you were, if you were watching the game, I mean, yeah, I he, he caught in the last six minutes of the game. I think he caught six passes for 30 some yards. He was, yep. he was sitting right. He got a touchdown early in the game, but I think he had like 20 yards rushing or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. And then he caught, got hurt. Right. And then you're right. And Jamal Williams got hurt. So, you know, I, but I think, first of all, I think Aaron Jones is better than that, better than he performed. I also think he's better than Williams. Um, And Williams is banged up. So I do think that he's going to get fed the football here over the next several weeks. Um, You know, so I, I, you know, I think this is, I don't know if it's necessarily a buy window on him, but I certainly don't think it's a sell window either. It's it's probably more of a hold window uh, if if we're talking about you know where we're valuing him. But um, but I'll be interested to hear what James says here. Yeah, man. Um, the the window is 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 uh, is interesting. So for me, all right, guys. Let me ask you guys a question. Okay, um, how long has Aaron Jones been in the league? Do you guys know? Three years. Three years. That's three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how, how has he ever had like a, like a, a, a belk no. bell cow running back ahead of him on the depth chart? No, no. So he hasn't really had a ton of competition. So I see where this is going. Why hasn't he, why hasn't he ever <laughs> been the, the bell cow back 
because I, I here's the thing. Here's what you used to hear. You used to hear, well, because McCarthy's an idiot. He doesn't know how to use him. He keeps trotting Jamal Williams out there, and McCarthy doesn't know what he's doing. And even even Rodgers knows McCarthy doesn't know what he's doing, right? That's what we heard. And now Matt LaFleur comes in, and we hear the same things, that Jamal Williams is going to be in the timeshare. Aaron Jones doesn't get the, uh, the, you know, isn't the bell cow back there. And everyone's like, oh, now LaFleur's an idiot. Like, okay. You ever hear, you know, that, it, you know, if, if you're in a room with a bunch of people and, and, you know, you're pointing the finger at all of them, maybe you need to stop and look at yourself like that. That's just what it is, man. I, I hate to say it, but Aaron Jones, look, I've said it before. I'll say it again, that the, the front office does not trust him. And when the front office doesn't trust a player, tr- just know this, the front office isn't silent over which guys get playing time and which guys don't. Okay. They, they, they have their say. There are reasons why these first round picks get multiple opportunities. And a lot of it is because of the front office. The coaching staff doesn't normally care who gets the the playing time as long as they're winning. And as long as they're coachable, they don't really care. The front office does because if they miss on these first round picks, they're the ones losing their job, not the coaches Um, in the, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Now quarterbacks a little different, but for the most part, that's, that's the way it goes. So something just doesn't smell right with Aaron Jones, man. He just doesn't ever seem to get, that he doesn't ever seem to be the guy. How long are we going to continue waiting? It's almost like the, the Corey Davis's of the world. Like he's in that, he's in that conversation. Like we're just going to keep waiting for this guy. Cause we all think he's good, but like he just never produces fantasy numbers. And I would rather have a guy, I would deal Aaron Jones straight up for Philip Lindsay in a heartbeat. Um, I would rather have the production that I know I can bank on whether or not that player is as talented as Aaron Jones is, is irrelevant to me. Um, so yeah, to me, I am, uh, I I'm never buying Aaron Jones because his price is just more than I'm willing to pay. Cause I just don't value him as high as other people. Um, but if I had him now, I don't know. I, he'd probably be a stronghold for me. I don't think I would be selling him either. Um, I think I'd be holding just, just to kind of see where this goes and maybe he'll be usable for, for three, four games until Jamal Williams comes back from that concussion and he's up to speed. And you know, that becomes a two time share again, which I expect it will happen regardless of whether or not. Cause again, I, I think Aaron Jones is more talented than Jamal Williams. I don't think that's debatable. Um, but it just, it, it, if, if he's only getting 50% of the carries, I, it doesn't, I don't care how, how talented he is. Um, so that's my answer to that. So, so the answer to your question, John, is hold from both of us. Um, so James, I have a lot to say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know we're, I know we're short on time probably. So I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. Okay. So you make good points in the sense of the, the narratives that the Aaron Jones believers run. Okay. I, I, I understand like everything you said. I can't deny that. That is absolutely what we say. Okay. But I'll point to a couple things. First of all, this coaching staff didn't know how to use running backs where they were previously either. And when they finally figured it out, Derrick Henry went absolutely insane over the last four or five games of the season. Okay. So I I, I will say that. And the second thing Mm -hmm. is this year's been bad. It's been bad. Okay. Last year, though, between weeks nine and 14, when Aaron Jones finally got a chance to take over the lead role after Aaron Rodgers campaigned for him and all of that stuff, 
he was really good. 16, he had an he had an 8.5 game, which isn't great, obviously. 32, 27, 18, 15, 19 in those games. And then he was hurt in week 15, like early in the game. So to me, to say, when's it going to happen? When's he going to show us he can do it? I mean, he showed in those six games, it's a short sample size. It's a small sample size. Absolutely. And, and, and I think the most valid thing that you probably said on, on the other side of this argument is that I think you're right. I think if the coaching staff and the organization trusted him, that he would get the opportunity, but they always keep mixing other backs in. I think that's a mistake. Okay. And I don't necessarily think so. So the Packers, the Steelers, New England, probably the New York Giants to an extent when they're winning. Um, maybe not so much now, but some franchises really do take a hands-off approach and the coaches run the show. Okay. And I think typically those four organizations are, are in that group of, of teams. So I, so I don't know. I just don't know in that regard, whether they, you know, I, I, somebody doesn't trust them clearly. I don't know if it's the coaches and, and, and look, the other thing that is they're watching him in practice every day. So maybe he's a dog. Maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't practice hard and that pisses them off. So they don't play him, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or something like that. So there's a lot of stuff we don't know about this too. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's a hold, he's a hold. He's, he's, we got to see what's going to transpire there the rest mm-hmm. of this season. And then I think we'll be better educated to, you know, make a decision about him moving forward. So yeah. I'm on a team that's making a playoff run and I need one running back. Do I take Sony Michelle or Aaron Jones? I'd take Jones. Oh man. Um, I, I, <laughs> I went to bat for Sony Michelle all off season and I'm, I'm eating my words right now. It's brutal um, for me, but I also feel like the, the touchdowns that Aaron Jones is getting Sony Michelle is going to get later in the year. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of still lean towards Sony Michelle personally, but I, I couldn't fault you for going either way. Um, I will say this real quick about Aaron Jones, though. Um, I, I do think he has the talent, Brian, to to do it, to to be the bell cow running back. Um, but I just I don't care what the reasoning is. There is a reason why he hasn't been. And to me, fantasy wise, it just doesn't matter. It just I can't rely on him um, for whatever reason. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to wrap it up, gentlemen. Do you guys have anything else before we do? All right. All right. So thank you guys all for listening and uh, tune in next time, which uh, Thursday we will uh, be recording a few episodes that are going to drop. We're going to do the start sits part one, which I will be doing with uh, Stompy. So make sure you guys tune into that. We're also going to have some injury updates with Ethan Turner on that one. So be sure to tune in there. And until next time, stay sexy and super flexy.